Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. We're getting closer to spooky time, friends. And on Nick's Nerd News, that means absolutely nothing, because we're business as usual here. No, I kid, I kid. We're getting closer and closer to Halloween, but honestly, that doesn't really affect us here, because this is a podcast. It's not really visually oriented. But anyway, let's get into the show. I'm your host, Nick, if that wasn't blatantly obvious, as I state on a weekly basis. Welcome to newcomers uh, from from around planet Earth. Anyone who's listening up at, on the ISS, I, I don't know why I would make it up there. Maybe I did. Who knows? I don't want to make it seem like that's a bad thing. It's not. That'd be amazing. That'd be really cool if astronauts were listening to me in space. Be the coolest thing ever. Anyway, we, we got some things to talk about. And uh, New York Comic Con was this past weekend, so there's a lot of stuff that came out of that news. And of course, Joker came out this weekend, and I will be giving one of my normal, somewhat in-depth reviews at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. And 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 uh, a lot more, of course, we can, we can talk about here. But, let's get into it. As I'm sure most of you are aware, Destiny, uh, New Light, their new free-to-play version of Destiny 2... Uh, from Bungie, launched on October 1st, on Tuesday, and it promptly caused the servers to be taken offline due to an overload. They had almost 200,000 people playing at its peak at one time. Destiny reached a new level of players when it came free-to-play. Granted, you did not have access to everything. It was more like a access to, I guess, what you could say... Uh, everything from year one, uh, pre-Forsaken. Uh, so if you want Forsaken stuff, you have to pay. Uh, you want to get the new DLC, Shadowkeep, you have to pay. Uh, the new season, or whatever it is, that that's 10 bucks too if you want to take part in some of the uh, seasonal rewards. Uh, so that that's all there to play. I, I did download it, and uh, it's the first time I've really been able to play Destiny with friends. Uh, not everyone got it when it came, Destiny 2 at least, not everyone got it on Xbox when I first got it, and it, it's nice to, to be able to play with different people, and the good thing about this is, luckily it was not hard to jump in and play on PC, even with a mouse and keyboard. I did have to lower my sensitivity though down to like 5, which is really low, and people think I'm a psycho for, for having to put it so low, but I, I... Don't flick around like some people do when they when they play, so that that's something that is different for me at least. Uh, it runs very smoothly. Didn't really have any issues when we were playing. I, by then, everything had kind of mellowed out, and uh, I I hope to to play more of it. I, I do plan on getting Shadowkeep and things like this, and and jumping in more with with Destiny. So we'll we'll see how how that turns out in the future. The funny thing is though, uh, along with that, Bungie has teased that uh, Bungie is promising to release at least one non-Destiny game by 2025, and the head of Bungie is promising to be... They want to make Bungie uh, one of the premier, I guess, one of the premier uh, entertainment companies in the world by then, which 
that's a far stretch for six years. They they can get pretty high, but I be hard to top Disney in some other places. That's for damn sure. And I did get the new Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It's really fun. Uh, it's punishingly hard. I'm not even playing on the hardest difficulty. But unlike the previous Ghost Recon, this one you are pretty much playing all alone by yourself. And that's a really, really, really not great thing because you got so used to doing uh, playing as a squad essentially in the previous one and and it, it's it's a little bit hard to adapt in adapt to it I should say in this one uh, I, I do welcome it though don't don't get me wrong it's just it will take a little bit longer to complete this way than than the previous one uh, and that's gonna make it hard especially since I'm, I'm going out of town in the next week but uh, no matter that the graphics are great it, the the driving I will say is a lot better than it was in wildlands they they really improved over that haven't really got a chance to fly around just yet to compare that to how it was in wildlands because it was pretty much broken in the beginning in in wildlands uh, hopefully they they did I mean granted they improved on it as the game got older Hopefully they, they brought over what they fixed in the new one. That doesn't always happen in the in the follow-up. But we'll see. The guns play well. The enemies are, are interesting so far. The whole wolves dynamic. Uh, it does take place about six years after Wildlands. Uh, Wildlands was took place in 2019. And this takes place in 2025. Uh, so there is some, some age gap there. But it is it is fun so far. I haven't experienced too much of it, but hopefully we'll get into that. Uh, the map looks smaller, but I, I think it's about the same size. And this one is a little bit more RPG-like than, than the previous one. And uh, some things are, are changed, obviously, from, from how they played in the last one. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together as the game progresses. Uh, but so far, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. And uh, I'll have more on that in a couple weeks, obviously. I will not be talking about it next week since I, I really won't have the ability to play. But but that that's my feelings on Ghost Recon Breakpoint as of right now. Moving on here. Uh, we got some more uh, stuff out of New York Comic Con. Miss Marvel is actually going to be the star of the Square Enix Crystal Dynamics uh, Marvel's Avengers game. And I'm really confused. Why, why do we see all the good stuff so much later? Why did they... they they show off this game with the trash that they showed at E3. I, I I really don't. I really don't understand what what made the decision or who made the decision. I should should say to show that stuff off that they did because it, it was not it was not good. But now now they're showing really good stuff. And what they showed for the new Miss Marvel is really great. Apparently she's going to be the main character pretty much. But the way they did her powers is, is great, and it looks awesome, and it looks really good, and it, it looks like it plays smoothly. So it's like, wh what the hell, Crystal Dynamics? What the hell, Square Enix? Who, who decided that you guys should show off that, that garbage at E3 that looked like absolute shit? Like, I, I don't understand. I, I really don't. But finally, this game looks like it's going to be worth purchasing, and there's going to be... A lot of good heroes, I think, that will come out, and it, it should play very awesome. At least, that's what it looks like. But uh, we still have a few months before that comes out next May, I want to say. I'm pretty sure. 
Uh, got some Pokemon news this past week. Uh, Friday, there was a 24-hour live stream, which nothing really happened for a big chunk of it. Uh, we did get to see a new, what appears to be a Galarian version of Ponyta. Uh, a lot of people speculated it would be Ponyta because of the, the cry that could be heard. And then we saw a, a horse-like Pokemon with, uh, instead of flames, more like uh, rainbowy clouds, so maybe a more unicorn version. I don't understand why they just didn't make a new horse instead of going with Ponyta and Rapidash again. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like getting glare, like new regional variants. That's an interesting take, so they don't have to keep coming up with new versions. But let's get away from, you know, Gen 1 and Gen 2. And let's get in some Gen 2 and Gen 3, things like this. Let, let's shape it up, shake it up a little, you know what I mean? Uh, but also some other weird news that definitely needs clarification from me and probably for a lot of other people, but they put out this news, uh, this is from Game Informer, Pokemon cut from the national decks will return in the future, Pokemon producer uh, Masuda-san confirmed that Pokemon don't that don't appear in Sword and Shield aren't gone forever, this is especially true since the announcement of Pokemon Home, a new service that lets players collect all their Pokemon from across the series, uh, it's almost like Pokemon Bank. Uh, we are finally getting autosave in the Pokemon games. That's going to be a future in Sword and Shield. Uh, you will still be able to do manual save, you know, just in, before important legendary battles, things like this. Uh, there are eight gyms in Sword and Shield, but they will be different gyms depending on the version of the game, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, EXP share is no longer in the game, but that's because all your Pokemon share EXP equally. This is a streaming feature, so players will no longer have to alternate which Pokemon receives shared EXP while leveling a part party. Uh, if I remember correctly, they kind of did this in Sun and Moon, where they kind of moved away from having to turn on EXP share. It was just there automatically. This is returning from Sun and Moon, but HMs will not return in Sword and Shield. Uh, so they... they I, I personally... Didn't totally like what they did in, in, in Sun and Moon, but Game Freak says that they decided that the HM system doesn't quite fit in with Sword and Shield's setting either. This is because of Sword and Shield's more open wild area and the desire to give players more freedom to explore. Um, there's also something new called uh, something, some new systems. Uh, says that Pokemon that you catch early on will remain competitive and viable for battle, even as the game progresses. Pokemon planning director Kazumasa Iwao confirmed that our, there are new battle parameters in Sword and Shield that de-emphasizes breeding. I'm sure that's going to piss a lot of people off. Uh, they did not reveal any specifics, though. But what did happen... So this is regarding the gyms. This is a previous... I guess they had something had come out about 18 gyms, which is unreal. Uh, this is what the Pokemon Company, though, said. In the Galar region, Pokemon gym battles are popular sporting events, and the 18 different types of gyms that exist in Galar contribute to the background setting of the story in Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. In each game, trainers must collect 8 gym badges to complete the gym challenge and earn the opportunity to participate in the Champion Cup. Okay, I'm still confused. Is there 18 gyms or not? And how come I only need 8 badges? So, I guess there's going to be, like... Major gyms and minor gyms? I, I I don't know, because that's really, really weird. I, I don't fucking understand. How is there 18 gyms, but you only need 8 gym badges? Is this like in the old anime when Gary showed off his 8 badges or 9 badges, whatever they were, to Ash, and they were from like some random-ass gyms that, that didn't match with, with anything? I, I, I don't... 
I don't understand this. Very odd. Very, very odd indeed. But we'll know in about a month to see how that all turns out. And if, I mean, we'll see what happens ultimately. Uh, We're just barely over a month away from Sword and Shield. And uh, in some news that kind of got not a whole lot of fanfare, the PS4 now officially supports crossplay. It has left. It has left cross uh, uh, beta, I guess I should say, and it is now uh, official. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare will be the first game to officially support it at launch on the PS4. I didn't know it was even in beta. Good on them. Good on them. Uh, but some sad news over in Sony land. Sean Layden, the head of Worldwide Studios at Sony, who's pretty much been the the face of PlayStation for the longest time. I was leaving Sony after 28 years. Um, this is according uh, to an official tweet that went out that he's been with the company since 1987. Uh, they said is it, it is with great emotion that we announced that Worldwide Studios chairman Sean Layden will be departing SIE. His visionary leadership will be greatly missed. We wish him success in the future endeavors and are deeply grateful for his years of service. Thank you, everything, Sean. Uh, hopefully this isn't trouble in paradise over at, at Sony. He's been the president. He became the president of Sony Computer Entertainment in, in Japan in 2007. Then became vice president of Sony Network Entertainment International in 2010. And in 2014, he became the president and CEO of, CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment America. Uh, and then in 2018, made chairman of Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios. Uh, in that time, Sony put out a lot of amazing first-party games. And it, it, it's, or, or he's, I mean, he didn't personally, but Sony did at least. And it's, it's really odd for this to happen a year before the new console comes out. Uh, hopefully he wasn't forced out or anything like that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, according to GamesIndustry.biz, the Sony Interactive Entertainment Japan president, Atsushi Morita, also retired yesterday, uh, which is interesting. Uh, no word yet on who will take over for Sean Layden. Odd for them to retire at a time like this. Usually they wait for the next console to release. Um, granted, it is a year, so it could be a good thing or a bad thing. We don't, we don't totally know. Uh, as we all know that Phil Spencer took over for Don Matrick in 2014, I think, or even late, uh, yeah, early 2014, uh, after Matrick completely fucking dropped the ball with Xbox One. But uh, it will be interesting to see who takes over. Uh, so it's a sad day over there. And uh, understandable, I mean, he's been with the company for so long, I'm sure he was getting close to being able to retire anyway. He was making a shit ton of money, doesn't really matter. So um, he'll be fine. <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest here. He's, there's no no worrying here. Unless you maybe read too much between the lines. Uh, Overwatch, the creative director at least for Overwatch, was being interviewed. Uh, Jeff Kaplan, Vice President of Blizzard Entertainment, was being interviewed and said that, uh, who was he speaking with? Oh, he was speaking with IGN. He said that, to the Smash Brothers team, whatever character you want, we love them all. They're all our babies. You can have any single one of them. We have 31 to choose from. And then he went on to say, Tracer's our girl. Tracer's our mascot. She'd be my first choice. There's a lot of great runners up. I think a lot of people can intermediate, immediately, excuse me, see Doomfist gameplay applying to Smash. But if it were up to me, I'd like to see Tracer. So there you go. Uh, whoever is in charge of Smash Brothers 
is allowed to have any character they want from Overwatch to put into Smash. Don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, mainly because Smash is mostly Nintendo characters. Uh, not really a whole lot of uh, outside people. Granted, Snake is in there, which is weird. And Banjo-Kazooie, but that's because the original Banjo-Kazooie game was released on N64 and had since passed into ownership of Microsoft. But I, I don't see any Overwatch characters uh, finding their way. And granted, they've been adding some newer characters with the, the DLC and things like that, but I, I don't see any Overwatch characters finding their way into Smash, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, we also got news on why Ninja ultimately ended up leaving Twitch uh, and and allegedly had nothing to do with money. I, I don't know. I'm sure that's mostly true. Um, he said it was mostly because it was getting to be really restrictive in terms of, of endorsement deals and, and deals he could make outside of his gaming brand, which I can understand that too. Uh, his wife, who's also his spokesperson or manager, said that while Twitch was taking months and months for them to ha hash out a new contract, it only took them a few weeks with Microsoft and Mixer to get a new contract. So, understandable. Uh, you want to get something done that gets done fast, as opposed to something that get, that takes a long time. When it doesn't necessarily mean a, a definite paycheck, but when it comes to endorsement deals, which are a little bit more fruitful, that's completely understandable. So his wife said this, Twitch didn't, did not listen to us. Uh, everything we were asking, it never came back, reflecting our wishes. And that's completely outside of finances. Money was the last thing our mind. With the wording of how that contract was going, he wouldn't have been able to grow his brand much outside of gaming. She also said that uh, there were conflicts appearing with sponsors and brand partners because of Twitch. Uh, also went on to say that the, the, the comment section, section on Twitch was toxic. Uh, and she also said, uh, per what I said, Microsoft was so aligned with what we wanted and what where we were at, um, which kind of goes with the whole week, couple weeks as opposed to a couple months. That's all per Business Insider. And what's this like? Uh, I mean, he, he was even on a TV show recently, The Masked Singer. Sorry if you guys are behind on that show. Uh, but I, I guess it, it makes sense. I mean, you got to go where you can keep expanding and and not somewhere that's going to keep you down essentially and uh granted it, it's good for him to be back at mixer or microsoft i should say he got his start playing halo and now he'll be in the perfect place to start streaming halo infinite when it comes out next year but yeah that's interesting very very interesting but that's uh, that's going on with with uh, Ninja and Twitch and Mixer over there, but moving on, uh, Writers Guild, the Writers Guild of America, uh, the Writers Union essentially, uh, will be dropping its video game award. Um, they said to IGN, there won't be a video game writing award in 2020. Uh, they did say it may return in the future by saying. When there is a critical mass of video games covered by the WGA in order to provide a meaningful award selection process. Um, they have been providing, they, they have had the category since 2008. It's really odd that they dropped it. Um, but a lot of big writers in the video game world came out against this. I mean, video games make hand over fist a hundred times more money than the entertainment industry currently. Uh, the writer and director of Last of Us Part Two said very disappointed at the WGA, WGA for removing the video game category from their awards. 
a misguided slap in the face for writers and games. Uh, Half-Life writer wrote, I've never joined the WGA and never will. To win this award, you have to be a member. When they asked us to join so we could win, we could pay dues but not vote because game writing isn't a real thing. Not like have a short story published in a zine read by 12 people, which, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. It's really odd that they would drop this. Video game writing is, is getting better and better every single year. There's, there's no reason to discredit it. Like, look at Red Dead. Red Dead, look at Grand Theft Auto V even. Those, both of those made way more money than any, like, movie property at this point. And, and it's, it's insane. It's insane to think that they should be discredited because they're video games. I mean, it goes back to that old stigma that video games are not real. Bullshit. Bullshit, if you ask me. Like, GTA has made an estimated maybe $6 billion. Okay? That's next level. Okay, and that was April of 2018. Who knows what they're at now? But I, it's just... What? What what makes people think that video games are, are just shit? I, I don't understand. I, I really don't. People are dumb. People are so friggin' dumb. Pisses me off. Uh, and speak, speaking of Red Dead and GTA V, Red Dead Redemption 2 is officially coming to PC. Uh, it will launch on the Rockstar Launcher on November 5th, and it will come to Steam sometime in December. Surprise, surprise, no, no surprise really. No, it's like that GIF, shocked, pretend, uh, pretends to be shocked, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but here's some shocking news actually. House of the Dead, uh, probably one of my favorite arcade games, and I'm sure countless other people, uh, is being remade. Uh, House of the Dead 1 and 2 will be remade completely. Uh, no word yet on if that's going to be for console or in arcades. Uh, be interesting to see those made in a modern engine, even in the arcade market. But that's it for video games, folks. That is it for video games in this first week of October. Year is winding down. Let's move on to TV, huh? And with that... Oh, God. A seventh... A seventh Tremors film is being made. They are milking that property for all that it's worth. Granted, sci-fi, I'm sure they have the viewer numbers to support it, but... And Michael Gross is right there to, to be back as Burt Gummer. Good on him, man. Good on him for continuing that that going. But I just... I think I think it's time to move on from Tremors, folks. I, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. We can We can let it go. We can let Tremors go. They've jumped the shark at this point. Ha, funny. Oh, God, actually. If a sci-fi rep person is listening, please don't make a Tremors vs. Sharknado movie. That would just be terrible. But if you do, I get credit. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
And then um, Joel Egerton, Egerton, actor, uh, was recently being interviewed by MTV News. And the question came up if he was going to be reprising his role as Uncle Owen Lars in the Star Wars Obi-Wan show. And he didn't say no. So maybe we'll be seeing some baby Luke running around, huh? I doubt it. I very much highly doubt it. Uh, New York Comic Con gave us a lot of news as well. The Harley Quinn uh, show on DC Universe will premiere on November 29th, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, We also got an announcement for their new show called Bizarro TV, which will focus on obscure characters uh, like Ambush Bug, uh, but somehow no mention of Bizarro himself, which would be the perfect candidate for this. I don't see how that's even happening. Or I should say not happening. Bizarro head hurt. <laughs> um, Ruby Rose, the star of Batwoman, recently announced she had emergency back surgery from stunt work on Batwoman. Uh, she posted on Instagram last week Uh, To everyone asking about my new Pez dispenser scar on my neck, a couple of months ago I was told I needed an emergency surgery or I was risking becoming paralyzed. I had herniated two discs doing stunts and they were close to severing my spinal cord. I was in chronic pain and yet couldn't feel my arms. Thank you, Dr. Bray, for everything you did and for allowing me to keep working and doing what I love. I am forever in your debt. And to anyone asking why I let them video it, did you not watch that Grey's Anatomy episode where they left a towel in a patient? Also, I wanted to see what happens when we go under. First off, oh my god, thank god she's alive. And who let her do stunts? I mean, she's not she's not a professional action star. She's not Tom Cruise, who I don't understand how he gets away with doing his own stunts anymore either. But that's a that's a whole different issue entirely. But man, that that's Really shitty for her. Glad she's okay. Glad she could keep doing Batwoman. Uh, Maybe they should get a professional stunt performer in there. Which also makes me realize, and maybe a lot of other people realize, stunt performers do not get their due. Like, they almost don't get their due at all. And and they deserve so much more praise from us. And and this is a, a key thing. They put their lives on the line more than anything to perform in, in these these programs and movies and things and it's 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 disheartening to see something like this happen to an actual star um but it's also like we need to we need to start propping up the stunt performers uh we got an official announcement of stranger things 4 it was never really official i mean it was given but not official and the new teaser trailer didn't have a date uh, but it is promising that uh, did end with this isn't Hawkins anymore. So uh, if you finish season three, maybe we'll go to Russia, like what's teased with the Demogorgon reappearing. Uh, spoiler alert here, folks. Spoiler alert. I don't think Hopper's dead. Uh, but that's a that's a different story entirely. But Stranger Things 4 is coming. Uh, no official release date, though. And uh, we got some news out of Variety. The Disney Plus Marvel shows will apparently get a MCU-like budget between 150 
100 to 150 million dollars. Uh, to put that into perspective, it's about 12 million dollars an episode compared to the 200 million dollars that was spent total on the first seasons of the first four Marvel Netflix shows. So that uh, that shows a, a, a big jump in production value. And with that, though, Marvel Television, which is headed up by Jeff Loeb, who's handled uh, Lock and Key, Cloak and da- or not Lock and Key, sorry, Cloak and Dagger, um, The Runaways, I think, uh, uh, Agents of Shield. They will no longer make live action Marvel shows, which makes sense because if they're going to have shows on Disney Plus, you don't want them being confused with the MCU because Marvel's got their heads up their asses. Sorry, different thing entirely. But because of Marvel getting, or the MCU getting huge budgets to make their television shows, uh, there's not going to be anything really for Marvel television to do other than animated programming. And since we are speaking of Disney Plus, uh, Disney's entertainment channels, meaning ABC, Disney XD, the Disney Channel, uh, pretty much everything except ESPN will no longer be showing Netflix commercials. So that is definitely streaming wars heating up there, folks. Like at this point, streaming is going to be more fucking expensive than cable. What the hell? God. Insane what's happening here. Uh, a couple new trailers also came out of New York Comic Con. The Walking Dead is getting another spin-off. This one seems to have more of a, a young adult theme. Uh, no title or release date on that yet. Uh, got a new trailer for His Dark Materials, the new HBO show, based off the Golden Compass, things like this. This show is starting to look pretty fucking cool. Uh, will it be their new Game of Thrones? Who knows? Surprisingly, though, this premieres on a Monday. This is going to be a Monday show, not a, a Sunday show. And that's November 4th. Got a new trailer for Lost in Space Season 2, which premieres December 23rd, I want to say. And looks pretty interesting. Uh, Based off where they're going, uh, they're going to still be showing stuff from the main mission, which I thought they left uh, at the end of Season 1, which I recently finished. Really enjoy the show. Looks like they're going to be going into a little bit more like the old... um, like the old uh, TV show, can't talk, and hinting at some stuff maybe like in the movie with time travel maybe. At least that's what it's starting to look like, Uh, similar to the movie. Um, But yeah, Lost in Space Season 2 in December. And then we got a new trailer for Star Trek Picard premiering January 23rd, 2020 on CBS All Access. Got a release date finally. And this trailer brought back a lot of people... Uh, that were in the old Next Generation. We got our first look at Hugh, which was uh, one of the first Borg they liberated uh, in Next Generation. Uh, get to see him in, in modern-day Star Trek land. Uh, we also got our first looks at Riker and Deanna Troy. And it uh, looks like they've both retired from Starfleet now as well, so I guess Riker is no longer captain of the USS Titan. Uh, Picard is a very grumpy old man, it seems, based off what's going on. Got some more 7 of 9 action, uh, this time her firing some phasers. Some space battle action, which uh, is a welcome addition. I can't wait for this show. I really can't. Hopefully, though, 
Hopefully they'll find a way to bring in Dr. Crusher or, or Wesley in some capacity, maybe in Season 2, probably not Season 1. I'd like to see what happened between Picard and Crusher. I mean, I mean, everyone thought they were destined to be get, be together, were they not? So, we'll know in a few short months. And that is it for television here, folks. We are moving on into the movie category. Cinema. Film. Film. Joker, which we will be talking about today has the best October opening ever in the U.S. at $93.5 million opening, which puts it about $3.5 million above Venom, which came out last year. And it found itself in a $234 million worldwide first weekend, which puts it at number six on the list of DC uh, films in, in recent years in terms of opening weekends. That's a that's a pretty awesome feat. I very much enjoyed the movie, uh, but like I said, we'll t- we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Got a new trailer for the Kingsman, or the Kingsman, excuse me, the Kingsman. There's a space there. This movie is shaping up to be uh, a decent follow up to the first two, and it looks to be inputting some of its trademark action in a World War One setting. And it's definitely going to be competing for awesome World War One type scenarios with 1917, which looks like an epic movie coming out in December as well from Sam Mendes. And probably the best trailer that came out last week was the Birds of Prey trailer. Or One Emancipation of Harley... Whatever the subtitle is, I don't give a shit anymore. It's just Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn as the star. This movie looks fun as hell. And oh my god, Harley gets one of her hyenas at least. I don't know about two, but she's getting two of them. Uh, surprisingly, they didn't show uh, Ewan McGregor's Roman Sionis, Sionis, however you say it, in, in his black mask. Maybe they're saving that for the movie or the climax of the movie. Got a good look at the rest of the Birds of Prey. Renee Montoya, the Huntress, Black Canary... Also a good look at Victor Zaz and some of the other characters in the movie. The thing that I really liked at the end, though, of the trailer, Harley's talking to the Cassandra Kane character, and they're driving, and uh, Harley goes off on some tangent about something the girl said, and what's really funny is out of nowhere, Harley pulls out a, a like lit stick of dynamite, and she gives it to the girl. She's like, "Hey, can you throw this out there for me?" Which is like something that I feel comes right out of like the Batman the animated series Harley and Harley just being unpredictable and crazy. And and it's 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 perfect. It really is. And I I really can't wait for this movie. I it's it's a shame we have to wait till March for it. But hey, that's that's normal. It's normal. They put out these trailers and expect us to wait months for the movie. God, it's marketing people, right? (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Kevin Smith has announced Clerks 3 is officially in production. Pre-production, I should say. Uh, He is writing the script with the original cast uh, set to return. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I guess someone must have seen an early cut of... uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot, and they like what they see to, to give him the, the go-ahead. 
for him to write this. Can't wait to see how that turns out. Uh, I love the first Clerks. Clerks 2 is okay. It's not perfect. Uh, and Kevin Smith has kind of put out some duds in the last couple of years. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I'm excited to see what happens with Jane Silent Bob reboot. And then, of course, if this actually turns out to be legit with Clerks 3. And uh, I wonder what happened to what was going on with either Mallrats 2 or the, or the show that they were working on. I uh, Hopefully this leads to that happening in some capacity. But with, with Kevin Smith, I, I just, it's all, I take it all with a grain of salt. I really take it all with a grain of salt. Um, oh, wow. Uh, sorry. Uh, we got a new poster for James Bond. Ne- uh, what is it called? Um, Never Say Die. I don't even remember what it's called. The the movie. The one. No, to- no Time to Die. That's what it's called. And uh, yeah, see, really generic name there, Bond. God, what are you doing over there? Really generic poster you put out too. Jerks. God, <laughs> no, it's just a new poster came out. It was really boring. Uh, we got a new Terminator trailer, except it has yet to be officially released in the U.S. I think it was pushed in the the Mexican market and Spanish speaking markets, I should say. I uh, showed off a lot of awesome action between the new Terminator, um, and uh, the new Resistance character, who's part machine. And then some awesome Sarah Connor stuff with Arnold. That trailer is online that you can check out. Uh, also got some casting news on for Death of the Nile, which is a sequel, uh, semi-sequel, I should say, to Murder on the Orient Express. Kenneth Branagh will be back to star and direct, uh, this time being joined by Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman herself. Army Hammer is also going to be in it. Letitia Wright uh, from Black Panther. And a host of other stars uh, will be in Death on the Nile. I think based on another Agatha Christie novel. So, not surprised in the slightest. Uh, Eddie Murphy was being interviewed. And said that he plans to do Beverly Hills Cop 4 after Coming to America 2. Uh, This project uh, was supposed to get off the ground a couple years ago. Then it was going to be a TV show, and that never happened. But now we're apparently finally getting it. Judge Reinhold is not Judge Reinhold anymore. I'll I'll say that. I mean, they've all gotten old. And Taggart, he's into his 70s. So I wonder if, if he'll be able to do it. Ronnie Cox, who's in his 80s at this point, I wonder if he'd come back for it. So it, it all comes down to a lot of different factors. Uh, granted, Eddie Murphy's not even in the 60s yet. Judge Reinhold is. Granted, I, I don't think he's been in anything recently. Uh, what is that? I, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they all work out Unless it's just, um, unless it's just Eddie Murphy coming back, who knows? But it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. 
and who comes back and who doesn't come back for the for the next one. Um, so we're getting more and more details about how Disney and Sony finally buried the hatchet. And it turns out that Tom Holland was the one who really helped save the deal. Uh, Bob Iger came forward and said that Tom Holland was the one who, who really pushed it. Uh, he was talking to a Hollywood reporter and he said that we had an event called D23 and Tom was there because he's a voice in a new Pixar movie called Onward. He said something and it was clear that the fans wanted Tom back as Spider-Man. Uh, it was clear that he cared so much. He's a great Spider-Man. I felt for him and it was clear that the fans wanted all this to happen. Uh, he... Hold on. I'm getting this. Uh, I guess Tom Holland requested for his personal phone number and email address. And he said... Uh, this caused Iger to say that, and then he said he made a couple of phone calls, one to the head of Sony. Uh, he called me, and I called them. And sometimes companies, when they are negotiating, they forget that there, there are other folks out there that actually matter. Uh-huh. Sure, Bob. Sure. Yeah, real corporate gobbledygook speak right there. I, I'm sure Tom Holland had some say, but at the end of the day, that was a business business decision that Disney made. And they're like, we're better off working with Sony at least one more time for Spider-Man. And, and everyone involved will will prosper from it. it yes, Tom Holland might have helped push things along a little faster. But don't lie to us, Bob. Don't say bullshit like that. I don't know. Uh, Matt Damon was being interviewed recently and, and brought up how I guess he had a chance to be an avatar. James Cameron apparently really wanted him for the role. Uh, even offering him at least 10% of a cut, and which is a big thing to walk away from, especially when a mo movie makes almost $3 billion. Uh, he was talking to GQ, and he said, uh, Jim Cameron offered me Avatar, and then he offered it to me. He goes, now listen, I don't need anybody. I don't need a name for this, a named actor. If you don't take this, I'm going to find an unknown actor and give it to him because the movie doesn't really need you. But if you take the part, I'll give you 10% of. And he trailed on. Uh, went on to say he uh, left more money on the table than any actor. Uh, but mainly he had to pass on it because of his commitments with Paul Greengrass and the Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, he said, I couldn't do it. But Cameron said to me in the course of that conversation, well, you know, I've only made six movies. I didn't realize that. He works so infrequently. But his movies, you know, all of them. So it feels like he's made more than he has. I realized in having to say no that I was probably passing on the chance to ever work with him. So that sucked, and that's still brutal, but my kids are eating. I'm doing okay. And, yeah, that I think that would have been a whole different movie if Matt Damon had been in it. Uh, Sam Worthington was okay in the role, but ultimately we'll see how Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 do in the future. As uh, we get closer and closer to the release of at least Avatar 2, which I think is next year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think Disney set a release for the next five years or so for all those to, to come out. Um, Emma Stone was being interviewed as well recently as uh, Zombieland 2 is, is nearing its release. And uh, she was talking to couple different people. Uh, IGN was talking to Ruben Fleischer, the director, things like this. And uh, 
he went on to say that the cast is why the original movie is great. We had this incredible group of actors. So to think of doing it without them, I can't imagine what that version would be like. Maybe down the road we'll find other survivors at another outpost. Maybe we could develop that as a TV show, but we never considered doing this with a different cast. And granted, they did bring in some new people. I guess what uh, what happened is they were talking to Emma Stone, and she went on to say she would love <laughs> she would love to make a third one in ten years. So it'd be uh, interesting to see if if they they actually did that in another ten years and made <laughs> made a uh, a Zombie Land three. But I don't know. We'll uh, we'll we'll know in, in a decade or so, and we'll see if Zombieland Two captures the love that the first one got. Um, we also got news that Disney is looking to push uh, Avengers Endgame for the Oscars. I guess they're pushing for Best Picture. Don't think they're going to get it. Uh, Best Director Anthony and Joe Russo. I I could see that. Best Adapted Screenplay. Maybe not. Best Cinematography, mm, pushing it. Best Film Editing, I could jump behind. Best Production Design, I could get behind. Best Costume, yes. Best Makeup and Hairstyling, maybe. Sound Mixing, yes. Sound Editing, yes. Best Visual Effects, 100% yes. Original Score, I don't know. I do not know about that. But that is... uh, We'll find out more when the... Everything gets ultimately announced, and the 92nd Academy Awards air next February. I know nominations will be announced, I think, early January, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, and speaking of the uh, Endgame being nominated for an Oscar, Martin Scorsese was, uh, I guess, being interviewed by Empire Magazine. And he went on to say that Marvel movies, while he gave them a chance, are not cinema. His direct quote, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. And that proves that Marty has not seen some of the newer MCU movies. Yes, they are a spectacle. Yes, they are a theme park. Uh, are they cinema in the classic sense? Maybe not, but they they still convey um, they still convey some some semblance of of what he's talking about. Uh, James Gunn and uh, Samuel Jackson actually responded. Uh, of course, the internet exploded too. Uh, James Gunn, though, who is probably one of the best directors of of a modern generation, uh, tweeted, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way, which, understandable. Uh, some people went after him. Uh, he did come back and say, no, I'm comparing people judging films they haven't seen to people judging films they haven't seen. So, 
essentially he's saying Marty hasn't seen a lot of the newer ones, so how he how can he make this assessment? Um, and and Samuel Jackson also responded by saying uh, he was talking to Variety. He said, "I mean that's like saying Bugs Bunny ain't funny. Films are films. Everybody's got an opinion. So I mean it's okay. Ain't going to stop nobody making movies." Which honestly, that's a better take than James Gunn. Uh, not everyone's going to like Scorsese movies. Which, you know, that makes sense. Uh, but I think it's interesting to see how this plays out. And, and it'll be interesting to see how The Irishman does uh, when that comes out later this year. But who knows? Who knows? Nobody does. That's for damn sure. Uh, and then... Like I said, uh, Joker did come out this uh, past weekend, and and of all people, I'm surprised to have had sent praises for it. Was Josh Brolin, uh, who saw the weekend himself this weekend and and had very high praise for the Joker, uh, even tweeting out or Instagram post uh, said this: "To appreciate Joker, I believe you have to have either gone through something traumatic in your lifetime, and I believe most of us have." Or understand somewhere in your psyche what true compassion is, which usually comes from having gone through something traumatic, unfortunately. An example of dangerous compassion would be to, say, make a film made about the fragility of the human psyche and make it so raw, so brutal, so balletic, that by the time you leave the theater, you not only don't want to hurt anything, but you desperately want an answer and a solution to the violence and mental health issues that have spun out of control around us. Which definitely ties into some things that I, I might say about Joker. Um, he did go on to say, This film makes you hurt, and only in pain do we ever want to change. It's all in the irony of trauma, a fine line between the resentment of wanting to hurt society back for raping you of a decent life, for not protecting you, and accepting what feels like alien feelings with softening to those who don't seem freakish in our era of judgment and digital damnation. Like kids in middle school, man, they just can be mean, for no reason. And sometimes those awful little clicky kids breed an evil in someone that rages much later, when everyone pretends we're all back to normal. When we all thought it had just manned up and gone away, we have a habit of hating and ostracizing and dividing and sweeping our problems under the rug. Joker is simply lifting the rug and looking underneath it. Nothing more, nothing less. It's there. And he... I mean, that that's the best you can put it. And that makes a lot of sense uh, looking back at the movie. Uh, and, and, and I, I will, like I said, I, I will talk about the movie. Uh, we, we're getting close there. Uh, just a, a few more things to talk about. And that is probably put into words in a way that, that I don't think I ever could. Um, but, but yes, joke Joker is definitely a, a look at, at the nonsense and, and the ridiculous things going on around us in today's world and just all the the hate and 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 other things that that go on 
around on on a daily basis but that i'm i'm glad someone high profile like that said something like that cuz it 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 makes sense um find a bit of movie news here uh the release the Snyder cut fans have struck again they purchased billboards in times square this weekend for uh, New York City Comic Con makes sense uh, that they would do this. As we got more news out of Zack Snyder, uh, he revealed some more storyboards showing how he would have actually introduced Martian Manhunter in his movie, uh, and it it made sense in a lot of ways that uh, did not expect would have worked. I wonder if that was ever shot or pre-shot. God, I want that Snyder Cut to be released. Or some version of it. Even if it's the script. Or the shooting script. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. But that's it for movie news. Uh, we got some other things that came out of Comic Con, New York City Comic Con. excuse me, And we also had a Surface device announcement. Which I'm actually going to talk about first here. Uh, so Microsoft had a Surface event uh, last week. Uh, pretty much going over all their new Surface devices. Uh, new Surface Laptop, new uh, Surface Pro, essentially. And the coolest things they announced, uh, won't be out for another year, unfortunately, um, but they were their new touch devices, essentially. And uh, I'm very excited because a Surface phone is, is finally releasing after years and years of speculation. I was a very big Windows phone guy. I had the, the last... Uh, Nokia Lumia uh, on Verizon, the Lumia icon, uh, right after Microsoft had purchased it. Uh, but the, the first thing they announced was the, the Surface Neo. It is a dual-screen foldable tablet that features two 9-inch screens connected by a 360-degree hinge. And a, lo a lot different from, than the Galaxy Fold devices. But what's really cool is it has this keyboard that you can kind of slide up and down on one of the screens if you want to have it. And it will change the func functionality of the keyboard. If you push it up towards the top, it gives you like a trackpad almost. So the top screen, or uh, so you can use it like a laptop. Or you can slide the keyboard down and it gives you like a touchpad control bar almost like on a, on a MacBook. They can play, uh, compared it at least. And that is supposed to come out in 2020. And then, like I said, the Surface Duo, which is their Surface phone, essentially. Uh, it's a, it's an Android-powered device, though. Uh, it's a two 5.6-inch screens connected by a 360-degree hinge. Uh, each display can run two different apps at one time or can have one screen be a game controller or a keyboard to help, you know, give different controls. And those are both running off new Intel chips that allow for two screens to either act as one or independently of each other, which is pretty friggin' awesome. God, I'm so fucking happy they're finally getting a Surface phone. I'm so mad, though, that it's so far away. Oh, man. Uh, they also announced the Surface Pro X, which is a, a new premium version of, of their tablet and... Uh, has a new keyboard and everything like that. That comes out this November, starts at $1,000. There's also the Surface Pro 7, uh, which comes out. That starts at $799. Uh, they both will have USB-C. Uh, the Surface Laptop 3, which will also have USB-C. That's a, something people always wanted. The new thing, though, they also announced, 
So last year they came out with the Surface headphones, which people really liked. This year they have the Surface earbuds, uh, wireless headphones, 24 hours of battery life, $250 coming out later this year. But they also have uh, gesture control, which is wild. So you can control like music and PowerPoint like presentations with your hands and your earbuds will sense it. Uh, they also announced a new version of Windows 10. Uh, meant for multi-screen devices like their new Surface Duo and the Surface Neo. And that is called Windows 10X. And uh, it will be able to run most apps unlike Windows RT, which was out a number of years ago. Of course, that will arrive next holiday with those new two, two new Surface devices. It's nice to see Microsoft sticking in that Surface game because it, it's been a, a big major selling point for them and, and they've been very successful with it recently uh, we also got news uh, out of new york city comic-con about the new star wars books coming in the next year or so uh, also a, a tease for what's coming next year post uh, the rise of skywalker the biggest thing is we got major confirmation that the star wars mainline comic will relaunch next year and will take place post Empire Strikes Back, it literally starts with Luke's hand getting cut off, and that will start in January. Uh, also got an announcement of a new Thrawn series, which will take place before Thrawn joined the Empire, so in his time in the Chiss Ascendancy, can't wait to look at that, that's going to be from Timothy Zahn. Uh, a new book in the Alphabet Squadron novel, which I know a lot of people like, because it's uh, pretty much like the old X-Wing series. And then uh, we got a tease for essentially what's coming next year and that is called project luminous i'm uh i'm pretty certain of but anyway uh, del rey is teasing that for next year uh, along with marvel and things like this to to have some new tie-ins but that's it for other news let's uh, get on to our joker review uh, but first some housekeeping as always Check out nixnerdnews.com where you can find links to also all of our social media pages, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can follow NixNerdNews on those three sites by just searching NixNerdNews. Uh, also on our website, nixnerdnews.com, you can find the show and listen to it right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes pages. So that way you can subscribe on your mobile device and listen whenever you like. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can stick around for some spoiler-filled Joker review, or you can always uh, skip ahead. Otherwise, the show's pretty much over. If you haven't seen Joker yet, you can you don't have to li keep listening. Otherwise, if you have seen it or you do want to have some insight into the movie, you can start listening now. Uh, thanks, though, and I'll see you guys not next week, but in two weeks. I will be taking a week off, but Nixner News will not be. Uh, it will be hosted by a familiar voice. Uh, he might have heard him last year. He's coming back for a visit. I'll keep that as a surprise. Uh, and he might have some special guests with him. Uh, but uh, you'll hear my lovely voice in about two weeks' time. But uh, let's get to this Joker review, shall we? So... I really enjoyed Joker. 
Uh, I'd say it was an 8.5 out of 10, though. Uh, it wasn't perfect. It was not perfect in, in every way. It was, uh, as I described it, it was like being hit with a brick. You ever, you ever go to a movie and it, it, the way the movie just sits with you feels like you got hit with a brick? Because that, that's how Joker felt. It was, it was intense. It was depressing. It was a, a guttural. That, that's a word I don't use quite often. Gut, guttural is definitely something I would use to describe Joker. And there, there's things that, that do a complete 180 that you don't expect. And there's also just some brutal scenes that make you believe in this Joker more than maybe some other ones that have been on screen. Joaquin is now, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's take on the Joker, I should say, is, is definitely my number two uh, favorite on-screen Joker now uh, in terms of, of live action. While he's not as believable as becoming someone who would eventually become a criminal mastermind, because that, that's really what the Joker is. And that's kind of what was lost with with Heath's one. I mean, he he was somewhat of a criminal mastermind, but he was missing some other things that that was part of, of the Joker mythos. Uh, Joaquin's does have that that laugh, but he actually has a, a, a mental illness that causes him to laugh uncontrollably just at random situations, which totally makes sense in terms of the Joker, who just laughs at pretty much everything. Uh, and uh, he is a unreliable narrator, which kind of gets into the film, and, and here's kind of where spoilers start. Most of the film, you can't take for granted at all once once you get to the end of the movie. Not one single thing in the movie can be taken literally. Because as it turns out later, a lot of stuff was being imagined in Arthur's head, or Arthur Fleck, essentially. And uh, his relationship with his mother is pretty much the only somewhat real thing. Uh... We, we do get instances of, of like daydreaming earlier on in the movie, which kind of hints at what comes later. His relationship with Zazie Beat, Zazie Beetz's character, completely made up in his head. And some of the things that happen at the end of the movie don't seem believable, per se. Uh, and then, come to find out, movie cuts to black after he essentially like anoints himself as the Joker and he, he uses his blood to, to give him like a smiling grin on his face paint. Uh, it, it shows him in a mental hospital talking to a doctor. And you start to really think that how much of this movie is, is true? And how much of this movie is just inside Arthur's head? Now, that's a classic trope of the Joker. I mean, he, he never is honest about who he was before, how he got to be who he is, things like this. It's like, what's the Joker's name other than just Joker? And I, I will say that there's a lot of good points in Joker that reflect on modern-day society, and I can see why there was worry about um, people coming to the theater to potentially cause harm. And, and, and that's the type of character that Joker is in this movie. He's someone who's ostracized, who has a mental illness, who is shunned by... A lot of people because of his issues and he essentially just fucking loses it and goes off on people I, and and it makes kind of sense that 
maybe how this movie might inspire others to do that. And I, I, I don't condone that in, in any way, shape, or form. But I, I can see how it might inspire others. And, and we do have to take a step back and understand that a lot of this shit happens to people and, and we, we can't really let it go on um, because we don't want something like this happening. Um, but again, this is in a fictional world where tensions are extremely high in the city of Gotham that all it took was one guy murdering in, in somewhat self-defense in the movie uh, three wealthier citizens that sets the whole city off on this ridiculous crusade which also helps create the joker but again like i said we can't take any of that at face value in this movie there's so much that this movie leaves questions for uh there's a lot of connections to thomas wayne that that i wouldn't expect there's a lot of connections to bruce wayne that i wouldn't expect um but but going back to Bru- uh, to Thomas here for a second, this movie portrays a version of Thomas Wayne that that is not in line with with standard depictions, and and they kind of make him out to be this callous, almost like arrogant rich man, which we don't really usually get a picture of as Thomas before in the past. And and at the end of the movie, they they do show the murder of the Waynes in Crime Alley with Bruce after leaving a, a Zorro film. But what's really odd in this take is, uh, so like I said before, there's this extreme riot going on. They've all been inspired by Joker. They're all wearing Joker masks. There's this guy who sees them leave the movie and walk into this alley, and he goes, this is for you, Wayne. You get what you fucking deserve. And I'm just like, uh, okay, this movie's got somewhat of an agenda and and it's clear that this movie is pitting the wealthy against the non-wealthy which is kind of just touted at the whole movie and it's a it's an interesting take it's it's not one i care for but it, it didn't detract from the movie because i didn't watch the movie to go see the origin of batman i went to watch the origin of a potential joker of course the director has gone and said that uh Maybe this isn't the real Joker, but he might have inspired someone else to become the Joker later in life. I, I don't know how much of that I would believe. But, like I said, I, I do like Joaquin. He's my number two right now. Uh, he is somewhat of a mix of Jack and Heath's. Uh, I've been on record of saying I, I'm not a big fan of, of Heath's Joker, and, and I know people don't like me when I say that, but sorry, I have an opinion about Joker that most people aren't going to like. But what what Joaquin got right is the psychoticness, the unreliable narrator part, the mentally unstable, um, the loner aspect, and the thing that doesn't make sense is I don't see him becoming a criminal mastermind. Uh, yes, he becomes unhinged and, and does start murdering almost for fun uh and and seeing perceiving things as as they aren't really there uh or how they're not really playing out but again makes sense for the joker but like i said overall i really like the movie i think joaquin is a a definite shoe in for best actor nomination i don't really see this movie best picture it might 
I still think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is better, as well as Ad Astra is better. But in terms of Best Picture, it's definitely going to be a, a toss-up between Brad Pitt and, and Joaquin. But that's how I like Joker. Like I said, 8.5. A lot of things that worked in the film. The cinematography was 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 amazing. The, the story was actually really well written. I wasn't confused at any point. I was actually entranced by by a lot of the things. A little upset that Mark Maron's character was relegated to all of like maybe five minutes of screen time. Uh, De Niro was really good in, in his role. But overall, I, I think it was done very, very well. And it's a different take on Joker that not my favorite, but but I think is better than, than most in the past. And... Uh, I don't think a sequel is coming, even though this broke a lot of records. Uh, if they did make a sequel, I, I don't see Batman coming in anytime soon, but more of an exploration of the mental instability and the uh, uh, unexpected reality that, that Joaquin's Joker lives in. And uh, I would welcome that, actually, just to see what happens in Gotham after at least what what is real in Gotham happened. But overall, I enjoyed the film. I do recommend watching it if, if you do like real movies. Um, this isn't really a comic book movie in the sense. It is rated R, of course. Uh, there is a lot of hard, strong violence. Uh, it is a dark movie. It's definitely not an uplifting movie. If you're down in the dumps, I do not advise seeing this movie. But uh, 8.5 for me, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening to Nick's Nerd News. Check us out on social media. Check out our website. Listen to the show online or on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Otherwise, I will catch you guys in two weeks, and I hope you enjoy our special guest host and friends next week. Have a good one.